You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Sorry for the delay there. I wanted to wait until we got uh, Eric into the into the space so we can get this thing started. He's very gracious after a fun little uh, jaunt off to Las Vegas while the rest of us here in western New York uh, are expecting snow this weekend. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good, man. Sorry about the delay. I got caught up on another call. and um, Sorry I'm, I'm late, but excited to talk some ball with you. I love it. Oh, no problem at all, man. You're making the time for us. We appreciate you. Um, first of all, how'd you shoot them out in the beautiful desert? I shot okay the first day. I shot like an 83 at Southern Highlands, and then I shot terrible at Cascada. I think I shot an 89. But, man, this uh, this March golf has been great for my handicap for some early tournaments. That's awesome, man. Um, I don't know if you know, I lived in Vegas for five years. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and uh, I miss it, especially like in a week like this, where it's it's actually been beautiful in Buffalo the last couple of days. But of course, there's snow expected over the weekend, and I'm going to head down to Florida for the owners' meeting, so I'll get out of it. Um, so, I guess first things first. I think that the best place to start is like a lot of movement last last week. Obviously, the Von Miller deal is one that you know jumps out. What had you? What was your reaction to the moves that they made, and maybe one that you you particularly like? Doesn't even have to be the Von Miller one. Man, it, it's wild because when they started off and they, you know, re-signed Isaiah McKenzie and uh, signed Roger Saffold, you thought, man, they're making some good movement. But, man, do the Bills really have the cap room to make a big splash? And we haven't seen uh, Brandon Bean make those big splashes in free agency since he's, since he's been in Buffalo. He's done a great job in free agency. I think back to Cole Beasley and John Brown, um, obviously, Pour your hide. I believe that was McDermott just before Bean got there. But they've had very quality free agent signings. But, you know, his message all along is build through the draft, build through the draft, build through the draft and re-sign your own. And then you start rolling into it and they go, Daquan Jones, Von Miller. And then 
even yesterday, you get Jameson Crowder, who's not this huge free agent signing, but you're just like, when are the bills done and how much cap room can they really have? And I, I, I know Jim Overdorf, who's an excellent cap management guy, and Brandon Bean and his staff has done an excellent job. But to me, last year, not that L.A. like set this new blueprint on, hey, you can mortgage the franchise for a, a one-time run at a Super Bowl, but man, you got to see some serious star power on that Rams team. And with this AFC loading up, it's like, man, we, we're going to need some guys. And so, man, just a lot of household names that were added, in my opinion, especially when you look at an OJ Howard. Um, I mean, it's they, they added a lot of pieces in free agency, and, and they honestly did a lot more than I expected to, especially after having Brandon Bean on my podcast. And, I, you know, I, I know there's some GM speak anytime someone talks in, in, a, in a public setting. But but Bean's generally pretty honest, and for him to make these moves um, was was a surprise. But you know, I'm I'm excited about him. You know, I I was joking with somebody uh, the last couple of days. It's like you know, I, I think uh, we got to be careful. You know, taking Brandon Bean at his word these days because first he says no big splashes, and then he obviously makes a splash. Then he says yesterday on McAfee that they're pretty much done, and they go and sign Jamison Crowder, which obviously money wise is not a huge splash, but um, just joking around. I, I think it's interesting. Like, I think Brandon Bean makes these comments to kind of keep like the expectations at bay because for so long, you know, Buffalo has been a place where even in this process, we heard from Von Miller last, last week talk about until he stepped in the building, he was second guessing his decision because of all of the, you know, years and years and years of just the, the perception of what it means to like sign up to play in Buffalo. Meanwhile, anybody that gets here, like it seems like, especially under the Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean regime, they get in here and, and, and they really love a lot of parts about it. Obviously, the, the number one thing, and you can speak to this as a former player, the amenities that are available to players in season to keep their bodies right. Yeah, what they've done from just a support staff um, to the training room, I mean, to, to all the amenities, as you mentioned, it's, it's truly unbelievable. I mean, I'll give you a practical just real life example. When I got, first got to the Buffalo Bills, and I know a lot has changed in the last uh, 13 years as far as nutrition and wellness and all that and our knowledge around it. But when I first got there, you'd go up for lunch and it might look like mac and cheese and chicken tenders. Now, they're probably baked chicken tenders, but chicken tenders, maybe green beans. You could always have a salad, uh, sandwich made if you want in a salad bar. I mean, now the Bills spend over $10,000 on organic produce a week, and that's just on the produce, and it's grass-fed everything. It's cage-free meats. It's it's cage-free eggs. It's it's just what they've done from an investment standpoint. Just the food alone, to be able to fuel these players' bodies is tremendous. The locker room that they did. I mean, when I first got to the Bills, our lockers were like white plastic cubicles. I, I don't think you ever got to see those, Matt. No. But they're like these white plastic cubicles, and our locker room was so small that as soon as we would uh, make cuts at the end of training camp, then they would shuffle out as many as they could, and then we would have a little bit more space in there. But it, it was, that was it, like to me walking in there. You know, you come from college where there's these be- big, beautiful lockers because you have to recruit. It's truly all recruiting in college, so you need these big, beautiful lockers. Then you get to the NFL and you think you made it, and it's almost a step down. But when the Pagulas came in, they literally sat down with me. Fred Jackson and Kyle Williams and said, what do you guys want and what do you guys need? 
tell us your wants and needs and we will get it done. And slowly but surely, they've knocked everything that we even could possibly mention off the list to where now they have this state-of-the-art training facility. And when you look at the bill situation, I mean, being frankly honest, I think that when you have as high of a state income tax as New York is, it's a competitive disadvantage and they should weight the salary cap based upon your tax rate in that sit in that state. Well, and, and you would only have to do half of it because you play half of your games on the road. So you would only have to take half the number. So it wouldn't be this monumental jump, but it is a disadvantage. So for the bills to recognize, Hey, we haven't been a perennial winner. We need, we we're, we're not sitting on a coast somewhere. We're on the coast of Lake Erie, but we're not sitting on a coast somewhere we need to do things to attract free agencies. And what they've done is just basically went all in and saying, man, this is going to be the place that'll set you up for the most success. You know, Josh Allen obviously helps this entire kind of model, right? Like to woo free agents here. I mean, the first thing out of Bob Miller's mouth was I told the Bills I wanted to play here because I want to play with Josh Allen. Um, but we know what the offense can do. I mean, they're coming off of eight quarters in the playoffs that probably can put that up against any offenses, eight quarters in a playoff run. Uh, and it probably holds up pretty well. So you, you figure they'll be in good shape. But the defense was an issue against Kansas City. I want to ask you twofold. Number one, how much does this Von Miller signing um, push move the needle for you in terms of something that can help them in a setting like that against a good passing team? B, how much do you feel like they need to have urgency to address the cornerback spot knowing that Tredavious White is coming off of an injury, Levi Wallace is in Pittsburgh, and they haven't signed anybody yet? Uh, those are those are great questions. So starting off first and foremost, when you look at the, the defensive line, to me the Bills statistically had the number one defense in the NFL last year. But if you heard me talk throughout the season, either through the broadcast, my weekly spots on WGR, my biggest concerns were, one, were they physical enough to stop the run against a physical team, against a New England, against a Tennessee, and then also, to me, against a four-man pass rush. And this is just kind of my O-line viewpoint on it. Like, there's a difference between rushing the passer and then, hey, it's an obvious pass situation. Do we have four guys that can get home? Because most teams in the NFL have one or two that you're like, man, we really got to watch out for that guy. Like, if it's an obvious pass situation – he's going to get home. Von Miller is that type of guy. He's the type of guy you have to game plan for. And when you look at the Bills' defensive line last year, like maybe Ed Oliver, maybe towards the end of the year, maybe he's that guy. But beyond that, and this is no knock on the rest of the guys because as a group, a very solid eight, nine-man rotation, but there's no one you truly got a game plan for. Like that is the guy that's going to get home. And to me, that's the one thing that they were missing last year so you go out and add a von miller who is that guy played against him multiple times and 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 he he could truly wreck a game plan he's just so smooth and explosive he can turn the corner and get super low he's he's uh paid manning called him the best athlete he ever played with think of how many teammates Peyton manning had and then when you look at the Bills kind of issues like towards that middle part of the year or teams that were real physical you look at the patriots and the titans that gave them some fits you know, they, they Sean McDermott kept saying, we got to get tougher. We got to get more physical with our hands um, across our offensive defensive line. And so they go out and sign two guys from the Titans. You know, they go out and sign Daquan Jones and Roger Saffold. And so to me, Daquan Jones is kind of that um, 
I don't want to cuss on here. I don't know the rules on Twitter spaces. Oh, you're good. You're first good. Time like he's that. He's that. All right, fine. He's that ass kicker that you need up front. I've played against Saquon. He's a tough nosed dude up front, and I'm not saying Ed and Star and Harrison aren't, you know, mean. But like, what, I, I've never played in a locker room with Daquan, and so I like to me that dude. You're like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta go get in a fight today. Like when I when I go against this guy, and so to me, adding him, and and I don't know. I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about Tim Settle. I reached out to Mitch Morse. And just said, hey, what was he like when you had to go against him last year? And he said, man, I thought he was a good player. I'm excited to have him. So I'll take his word for it. But mm-hmm. to me, you get a little tougher up front adding Daquan Jones. Um, and, then, and, then I, and then I'll address the cornerback issue. You know, um, man, you let Levi Wallace go, and that wasn't that big of a deal. It kind of shows you, you know, throughout his time with the Bills, it was – training camp battles constantly and a guy who constantly overachieved in Buffalo. And so they let him go to Pittsburgh and you'd, you'd assume that he'd want to stay in the same system for a similar deal. And so to see him go to Pittsburgh, I believe on a uh, two year, $8 million deal, that wasn't a monster deal for him. And in quarter is a spot that, you know, I don't know what they'll be able to add at this point as far as free agency goes, but you'd like to see Brandon Bean and you'd like to see the Bills address that in the early part of the draft. And knowing the way Bean operates, and and I've seen, you know, the quarterback rankings and, you know, it's supposed to be a, a fairly deep class. You know, maybe he thinks in that first and or second round, he can add the pieces he needs there where he didn't have to worry about in free agency. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. How much do you think it's got to be about finding speed at that spot? Like, I know that the Bills, they value guys that are going to fit in their system. Like, you know, good, hard-nosed tacklers, not afraid to tackle, willing to kind of play, like, almost like with a mentality of a linebacker. But seeing what happened in the AFC Divisional Round and the title game last year, do you think that they're going to probably pivot a little bit and really try to get somebody that can come in here with maybe 4-3 speed on the other side of Tredavious White that could – they can handle a, a Tyreek Hill or some of these other speedy guys they'll probably end up going against. Yeah, and I think you saw that late in that second half against the Chiefs when you saw Tyreek Hill just kind of turn the corner and just go and just dust the Bills' defense. I think there, I don't think it was just the Bills in that situation that said we got to get faster on defense because nowadays you're seeing these offenses shoot like the Buffalo Bills. You got to have speed to play against the Buffalo Bills at this point. You know, you watch Gabe Davis go over the top of you. And, and, and take the top off the defense against the Chiefs and go for 80 yards and turn that game back around to where the Bills were able to get back into it. You got to have speed in the NFL, especially in the AFC right now, to defend these offenses. And I, I don't think the Bills are sitting there thinking um, any differently. I think you got to have, especially because it's so hard to just sit back and zone against the Chiefs, you got to press those dudes up at the line of scrimmage and disrupt their timing a little bit, or else they'll just throw those little flare screens. They'll nickel and dime you down the field. Mahomes so good at decision making that, yeah, I, I think they will try and add speed. That's for sure. That that, uh, that kid from Cincinnati, you think he is he what? What is he? Is top five pick this year? Uh, Starner. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're talking about him top ten for sure. Yeah, so you missed out on him, and then and then you're looking for for someone with some speed, but you know someone that's got to have the. You can't just draft on upside with speed. You know this is likely going to have to be a kid that can come in and play right away. I mean, you got Dane Jackson sitting there, and 
and you're you're pretty confident if you if you definitely are going to have Trey White, Dane Jackson, and Taron Johnson. But man, adding adding some speed and and really some depth there because then you have Saran Neal, who's kind of that cross hybrid player who can play some boundary corner, but you don't want to go through a whole game with him out on the edge. You know, you're back to the D line for a second. Then I want to hit offensive line and Crowder before we we get off of here. Um, it's so interesting that you mentioned what you mentioned about Daquan Jones. Like, I think that that's, you know, an underrated signing that I feel like people haven't been talking about. I also think it's kind of underrated the value that, that, that Bean gets on bringing back both Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, guys that know the scheme, that had, you know, unprecedented success for their careers in 2019. I mean, combined, you know, they were the pressure guys for the Bills last, that year. They had 16 combined sacks, I think 25 pressures, some close to 40 tackles for a loss. And they're going to be asked here to be like seven and eight in the rotation, you know, behind, you know, Von Miller, Ed Oliver, and then all these young guys. How good can this defensive line be? Because, I, I mean, they sneaky all of a sudden. They might have a f- top five defensive line. Yeah, you're right. And and Jordan Phillips, you know, these are guys that you're bringing back, but these are also guys that both got paid because of production. It wasn't like the bill said, hey, we'll move on from these guys. You're right. They had a lot of success. Jordan Phillips, um, he intrigues me because he's got a lot of size up there, too. You know, he's kind of in that 330 range, so he brings some more size. I think last year, even though Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver, maybe the strength of the defense towards the end of the season – you're looking at two smaller defensive tackles. When you throw Daquan Jones in there, Jordan Phillips in the mix, you're just instantly adding some more size, especially at that defensive tackle position. And you know what? We'll see if Shaq Lawson can come back and, and, and get that mojo going again. Uh, Miami picks him up. He was with the Jets last year and when I saw him down the field before the game. And you know what? It's, it's funny. Like Going back to the free agency deal, Like so many people – uh, you know, would would think like, man, Shaq Lawson gets to play in Miami and Manhattan. And then I, I don't think he'd mind me telling you this. I was talking to him before the game last year in New York. And he's like, bro, I miss Buffalo because we lived on the same street together. And it's funny, like what you miss when you leave and you miss that camaraderie. We had eight guys that all lived on our street. We'd all get together and hang out. And so when you talk about a Shaq Lawson, I mean, that's a kid that's a kid. He's not a kid anymore. He was a kid when we drafted him and I was a vet on the team. But that's a, that's a guy coming back in who's excited to be back a part of the organization. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what this defensive line looks like. And like I want to transition to Jameson Crowder for a second because I think it's a really interesting addition. In terms of Cole leaving, Star leaving, before we talk about what Jameson can mean for the offense. Do you feel like with everything that went on last season, the polarization of both of those guys and what happened there with around COVID and all the kind of other stuff that to Brandon Bean's point that maybe this was just a good time for everybody involved, the team and the two players to just have a fresh start. Yeah, potentially. And, and, you know, it's hard because well, it's easy for me to talk about because I truly had no insider info last year. I wasn't even allowed in the building based upon COVID regulations. So I have no idea inside those walls how much it affected, you know, the guys in the locker room or what truly was the pulse amongst the relationships between GM and coach to player when it came to star Cole Beasley. But man, from a, from a fan's perspective and from a media perspective, it was definitely uh, a distraction on my end, you know, that's, I felt like that's almost all we were talking about. 
and COVID and the vaccines became such a polarizing issue last year that it was almost everything you talked about. Cole Beasley didn't know whether people were chanting bees or boo every time he caught the ball. I mean, how, you know, for a guy who was so well loved after playing with a broken leg in the playoff game to, to kind of have, um, to, to not even know if the fans were supporting him, that, you know, that's a different deal. But, but I'll say this, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are all about business. They're about the business of winning football games. I should say that they're not about, you know, they're not worried about all the hoopla. They want to worry about winning football games. I don't think they let these guys go if they feel like, man, it would really be a huge detriment to our team. But if there's anything that's causing a distraction, it does not surprise me to see them move on from them. You know, Crowder comes here after seven years in the NFL, uh, about the same timeline that Beasley had. And he had actually, he had some really, Beasley had some really good years in Dallas early on with Romo. And then as Dak came along and they added Amari Cooper, the production, you know, dipped off a little bit. Then he got here and it just exploded. You know, you look at Jameson Crowder, a couple of his seasons had two 100 yard, 100 catch seasons, um, uh, not 100 catch, 100 target seasons. So he's, he's been, kind of featured in an offense before in Washington early on in the Jets. What do you think he can kind of add? Because he was, for, for his entire career until last season, with a rookie quarterback and Zach Wilson and some other journeymen, he was averaging over 10 yards per reception. He's had some touchdown production. This is a guy that I think can fit in perfectly. They don't have to ask him to do too much, but I think playing with Diggs and Davis, he, he there's a role for him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw what Isaiah McKenzie could do in the slot when he was fully featured in that uh, New England game at New England. But he is still an inexperienced slot receiver. To have a guy like Jameson Crowder in the building that either Isaiah McKenzie can either learn a lot from or just in case Isaiah McKenzie isn't maybe that guy that we saw at New England, maybe he's not quite that type of player on an uh, every week basis when teams have a full scouting report on him then Jamison Crowder is a good football player. I mean, calling these Bills games the last three years, every time you're playing the Jets, now they haven't had a whole lot to be excited about offensively when you watch them, but he was always a guy that each and every week you're watching him produce, you're watching him get open. He was kind of like the only dude. Now he's not a big play over-the-top type receiver, but he was the guy that you're really worried about having some serious production. And, And when you bring in guys from around the division, like for Brandon Bean to go get a guy like this, it shows the type of respect because you got to prepare for these guys twice each year and so I always find it interesting like when Bill Belichick will go after a guy or in this case with Jameson Crowder like you really feel you really get the feel for what these uh, front office people think about other guys in the division when they go after him and try and bring him in a free agency so I met um, Aaron Cromer and Joe Brady for the first time down in Indianapolis I got a chance to talk to him out at prime um Cromer uh, was was a few in, I'll be honest, and our conversation didn't last too long. But man, you can just see the excitement like that he has coming after a year out of football. Um, what's happened with this with this team? Um, the Rogers Saffold uh, deal. As soon as you know, people were starting to talk about him being a possible cap casualty. That thing just made way too much sense. Obviously, Ryan Bates is out there as an R, as an RFA. What do you think of where the line stands right now and what you think maybe they have to do to continue to add add there? Yeah, I, I love the signing of Roger Saffold. I was pretty adamant when the Bills brought back Cromer, how excited I was about that. I've talked to Cromer numerous times, and he is truly excited for the opportunity to work with this staff, with this offensive personnel. Uh, Cromer is extremely loyal to guys that have played good football for him. When he came to the Bills, 
Um, Jordan Mills was talked so down about in Chicago. We brought him in, and he was a quality starter for a couple of years. I'm not saying he lit the world on fire, but a quality starter for the Bills. And so he's been loyal. Ryan Groy was a guy that he had in Chicago with him. He brought him in. So it didn't surprise me to see Cromer try and bring in somebody, you know, early on and, and bringing a guy in. So when you're going to teach some new techniques, bringing a guy in that's played for you as an offensive line coach is always valuable because then you have someone in the room that can say, hey, Roger, remember we did it this way. And so as far as the offensive line goes, you know, I, I, you know, seeing Ryan Bates come back would be great. He finished the year in an excellent way. And everybody, you know, kind of said, you know, he's he's that type of guy that could play really any position on the interior. So he provides value there. Mitch Morris, I felt had his best season as a bill last year, re-signing him to that extension, moving that cap hit out. Love that move by Bean. Deion Dawkins makes the Pro Bowl last year. Spencer Brown um, played really well, had, had that kind of was out with the back and COVID, had some bumps and bruises, but I love the potential of that dude. Tommy Doyle got a little bit of run playing that sixth offensive lineman last year. That provided him some experience. I I honestly really like where this Bills offensive line is at. One thing, too, before I let you go, um, Brandon Bean said something interesting. I think it was at the Combine where he was asked, I think, on the podium about why they brought Cromer in and how this was going to go. And from the outside looking in, you look at this staff, Ken Dorsey, first-time offensive coordinator, calling plays. Joe Brady, uh, you know, quarterback's coach who was an offensive coordinator, but still very young. Like Aaron Cromer, to me, feels like the experience on this coaching staff, a guy that was an interim head coach for New Orleans, offensive coordinator before. So, But he basically, Brandon said that I thought was interesting. He was like, he's going to have to come in here and figure out how we do things and then you know, kind of adjust to the scheme that Ken Dorsey is going to run. How how does that kind of dynamic work for a guy like Cromer, who's been around the block tons of times, has probably his his ideology of how to do things about how difficult it is to maybe mesh with like the, you know the visions, if you will, in the, especially for a young first time play caller. You know, I, I think he will be able to provide some experience. Now they're going to give Ken Dorsey the full reins, and they're going to let him run the show. But for a guy like Aaron Cromer, he can provide some perspective and some experience at times. And, you know, Cromer can coach in any type of scheme. And, you know, I, I talked to Bean and McDermott about that. I mean, I just told him, I said, that's a guy that is so smart. And it's not like he's just been in one type of offense. With Greg Roman, we were running a ton of power. Then he goes with McVay. They're running almost exclusively wide zone. So he can really coach anything and get his guys to play. And um, honestly, a guy that did a lot for me technique-wise kind of at that middle to late portion of my career where I felt like towards the end of my career, I was playing the best ball of my entire career. Even, you know, as your, you know, body gets older, I had learned so much from him that he really changed the game for me. So um, honestly, I couldn't say enough good things about that hire. And I, and, and I truly believe, um, you know, similar to when McDermott came in, having a guy like Leslie Frazier on staff who had head coaching experience, having a former OC in that offensive uh, staff room has value. Can he change the course of Cody Ford's career? That's an excellent question, and it'll be interesting to see. So the one reason I feel like it could potentially happen is that I feel like Aaron Cromer, and I played with a bunch of great offensive line coaches, but I feel like Aaron Cromer does the best job of letting – 
individuals play to their strengths. So you won't see the same pass set for every guy on the offensive line. Sometimes he'll let guys have different freedoms based upon what their skill set does. So does he allow Cody Ford to maybe jump set a little more where it takes some of that space that he struggled in away to maybe where he, you know, coming off a knee injury, maybe not quite as athletic last year, struggling to pass pro. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly really interested to see that. Eric Wood, my man, thank you so much. Um, I don't know when you'll uh, get to this part of uh, the country again, probably not till training camp, right? Well, um, I know I'll likely be up there before then. I'm not sure exactly when. There's a golf tournament or so before training camp that I could potentially make it up for, um, maybe something with my foundation. Um, July, June 2nd, I believe there's going to be a social with um, uh, benefiting my foundation, but I'll push all that out through our social media. But if I do come up on the second and you are free, we might have to do like an impromptu, uh, little golf outing day and pull Josh Reed out on the course and a few others. That is, that sounds perfect. Um, I appreciate it, my friend. I'll buy a couple beers after for, uh, you always taking the time, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, buddy. Yep. Thanks. You too. Sorry again about being late. Oh, no problem. All right, guys, that's Eric Wood. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, I'm going to post this on all of our audio platforms for the Shout Podcast, and Ryan and I will be live tomorrow night, our usual Wednesday so- show. We're welcoming on Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. We- we're going to recap uh, free agency, talk about all those moves. He follows the Bills pretty closely, obviously, being a Western New Yorker. We'll obviously start to you know, move the needle towards the draft and, and-, and start talking about potential bills needs now that we have a better idea of what this depth chart looks like all right see you guys soon take care shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot